Welcome to another episode of The Central Word, a podcast ministry of Central Baptist Church, Texarkana, Arkansas. Today's episode is from the morning message of Sunday, April 30th, and is preached by our pastor, Brother Mike Sylvie. Our desire is that this message builds you up in your faith as you walk daily with Christ. Here now is Brother Mike, preaching from John chapter 3 on The Great Change. Some regard that is probably most important because it deals with the most important subject, and that is being born again. And it poses this question for us, what does it mean to be born again? So we're going to talk about that in the message this morning, and we're going to let Jesus answer this this most important question. Because someone came to Jesus in John chapter 3 and had questions for him, And Jesus turned the conversation to this most important question and gave the most important answer about what does it mean to be born again. Now, since um, when we were born the first time, we were all pretty young. I don't know about you, but I was pretty young when I was born the first time. (laughs) And whenever a person is born again the second time, and it's amazing, you can be born again. If you just think about it, you can be born a second time. And when that happens, those who keep the numbers tell us that most often it happens when we're young. That 94% of Christians are born again, come to a born again experience under the age of 18. Since all of that is true, I wanted to really direct the message this morning to all the kids that are here today. The youth that are in the building. The the ones that are below 18. Now, that's all these kids, and that's Miss Flo. She's having a birthday today. She's turning 18 again. But uh, I want to do things a little bit different this morning because of that. Uh, y'all, are y'all up for doing something a little different this morning? <clears throat> this will really just be for the kids mainly. I kind of just wanted to make a little kids section right over here, okay? So, you know, Zoe's already up here. Ashton's already up here. Miss Kathy's already up here. And if any of the kids that get permission from your grown-ups will just join me right down here, I want to just kind of come down here with you guys, okay? And we're going to let the adults hear what we have to say because it's important stuff. But y'all just kind of come over here. And the big kids are welcome too. All you big kids over here, Miss Lori needs company. We can kind of make this the back row of the youth section. So you young kids over here want to come over here and sit with Miss Lori? We'll include you guys too. Wow, y'all are all the way on the front row. Look at this. <laughs> now Raiden doesn't know where to go. <laughs> okay. Thank y'all for coming up here, getting getting with me here. Did you bring your Bibles with you? Yeah, you got your Bibles. Very good. So if you haven't already, open them John chapter 3. Do that. And uh, we're going to talk about what it means to be born again. Now, who's having a birthday coming up real soon? Somebody having a, I thought Ashton was having a birthday. What day is your birthday? May the 3rd. That's when you were born the first time. My birthday is September the 8th. And everybody in this room, because we're living and breathing, we have a birth date. We all have a date in which we were born the first time. But we may not have a date in which we were born the second time. Because not everybody 
is born again. We have to understand what it means. And we have to do what Jesus says. And we're going to talk about that here in a little bit. But Jesus wants everybody to know what it means to be born again. Because actually being born the second time is the most important birth. Now I was born on September the 8th. That was my first birth date. But then my second birthday, when I was born again, was March the 17th, St. Patrick's Day. But that's really, for me, that's like St. Michael's Day. That's when I became a Christian. <laughs> and so we're going to talk about that this morning. And the adults can listen to us. And they're going to hear some things that are good for them to hear as well. But I wanted you guys to understand what it means to be born again. Okay, Jesus is going to answer this question by answering and several other questions in the conversation. Uh, and, and those are three questions. And that is first the who question. That is who needs to be born again. And then he's going to answer the why question. Why should someone be born again? And then most importantly he's going to talk about how someone is born again. Okay. Now he's talking to a man named Nicodemus. Look in your Bible there in John chapter 3. In verse 1, and the Bible introduces us to Nicodemus, and this is important to understand because Nicodemus and the kind of person that he was really answers this first who question, and that is, who needs to be born again? Everyone and anyone who needs spiritual life. That's what we learn from the story. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So here's, here's who Nicodemus was. Nicodemus was one of the smartest kids in the class. He was of the Pharisees. The Pharisees were those guys who studied real hard at everything. They knew all the rules and he was one of the smartest kids in the class. We look at the smartest kids in the class sometimes and we think, they got it all together, you know. They, they, they're just on top of everything. But even the smartest kids of the class, and if that's you, even the smartest kids of the class need to be born again. And we'll talk about why in just a minute. But not only was he the smartest kid in the class, he was the captain of the team. The Bible says he was the ruler of the Jews. That was He was someone that... They looked up to, and they followed him. And so he was the captain of the team. You know, he had good looks. Everybody was looking up at him, and he was admired by everybody. And not only was he the smartest kid of the class, captain of the team, but verse 2 says that he was religious. He went to church. He read his Bible. He knew something about God and about Christ. Now that's good. We need to know about Christ. We need to know about God. We need to come to church. We need to read our Bible. But that's not what saves us. That's, what not, that's not what makes us born, being born again. Okay. But it's important to notice that a guy like Nicodemus who had it all together, someone that we look at and we think, well, you know, he doesn't need to be born again. He doesn't need to change. But he did. That's because he had something wrong on the inside of him. Now, how many of you guys were here last week? Were y'all here last week when you heard me talk about the Great Fall? You remember that, Zoe? We looked at John, Genesis chapter 3, and we saw how 
We live in a world that has been ruined by sin, and we have been ruined by sin. And what sin has done to us is that that inside part of us, the part that God made to live forever, that part died when sin came into the world. That's what it did to us. Now, when we were born the first time, we have our birth date. That means that God gave us life on the outside. We have life that people can see. And we can move around, we breathe, we eat, we have physical life. But on the inside, talking about way on the invisible inside of you, the real part of you, the part of you that thinks and feels, the part of you that God made that's individual, not like anybody else, the part that's going to live forever, that part died when sin came into the world. And instead of having spiritual life on the inside, we have sinful life. And that was Nicodemus' problem. Even though he was one of the smartest kids and he was the captain of the team and he was religious, he knew things about God and about Christ, he was dead on the inside. He did not have spiritual life. So the answer to the first question, who needs to be born again? Anyone and everyone who does not have spiritual life. And that was Nicodemus. And that was me earlier in my life. And that's all of us because the Bible says all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Of God. Now, sometimes we feel like, you know, we're not as bad as somebody else. You know, we don't do some of the things that other people, we don't shoot anybody. We don't rob a bank. You know, we don't do some of the big things. And those things are sinful. But sin is not just the big things, it's the little things too. It can be having a bad thought, it can be saying a bad word. It can be doing the wrong thing. It can even be not doing the right thing. You know, your parents say, go clean up your room. Instead, you go watch TV. That's sin because you're not doing the right thing. And we all have sin in our life. And that's why we cannot present ourselves up to God and hope that he'll accept us with all this sin in our life. Let me illustrate this way with scrambled eggs. I like breakfast. Y'all like breakfast? And one of my favorite foods to eat at breakfast is scrambled eggs. And, uh, you know, scrambled eggs is easy enough. I, I can even put that together. And so I'll cook scrambled eggs every once in a while, and I'll put the eggs together and put some milk in it. And, and after I married Miss Lori, I found out a new way to make scrambled eggs was even better. Her mom would crumble up cooked bacon and put it in the scrambled eggs and cook that all together. That is good scrambled eggs. But suppose I was making you scrambled eggs and putting all this good stuff in it, but then I opened one last egg and it was rotten. Zoe, it smelled like rotten eggs, because it was a rotten egg. And suppose that I took that rotten egg and put it in the bowl with the, all the other stuff and scrambled it all together and made it for you and brought it to you. Would you want to eat that? I wouldn't either. Because a rotten egg can make you really sick. In fact... If it's not cooked at all, rotten egg can actually kill you. And so our life is similar to that. We've got something on the inside of us that is not right. Sin, the Bible says, the wages of sin is death. Sin brings death. It brought death to us on the inside. It brings death to everything else that it touches and so we're like this scrambled egg mixture where we got all this good stuff in our life, but we also have all the bad. And we put all that together, and we cannot hope to serve ourselves up to God. 
and Him accept us with all this sin in our life. That's why we have to be born again. That's why we have to be changed on the inside. We have to be made new. Here's another way of thinking about it. Some people, you know, think that, well, you know, they, they do have sin in their life, and yeah, they do a lot of bad things, but they do a lot of good things, and they think the good is going to outweigh the bad, but that's not true either. Because we sin every single day. You remember what I said sin was? It wasn't just the big things, it was the little things. And even if we have a good day, we still sin a lot. You know, suppose you were just to have one bad thought a day, say one bad word or have a bad, say the wrong thing one time and then do one thing that was wrong, that's just three sins a day. But you realize by the time y'all get 18, three sins a day adds up to over 20,000 sins. And so while we do a lot of good things in our life, with all the sin in our life, we have all this stuff. We can't hope to present ourselves to God who has never sinned, who has a place called heaven that he wants us to go and live one day, but there's not one sin in heaven. And, and imagine us going up to heaven and knocking on the door and saying, say, Lord, I've been a pretty good person, and uh, yeah, I've got 20,000 sins, or if we live to full age in life, uh, the average lifespan is in the 70s now, and, and the average lifespan would be over 70,000 sins in that person's life. We come to God and say, yeah, God, I've done a lot of good, but i got thousands of sins in my life. You think he's going to welcome us into heaven and bring all that sin in? No, he can't do that because it would ruin heaven just like sin has ruined the earth. So that's why we have to be born again. We have to be made new on the inside. We have to be forgiven. And this is what Nicodemus didn't understand. And this is what Jesus was trying to get him to understand because he says in verse 3, Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And then in verse 5, or rather verse 7, he says, You must be born again, Nicodemus. You who do not have spiritual life, you must be born the second time. So that's who. And then that brings us to the why. Why should a person be born again? Jesus gives us two answers in the story here. In verse 3, he says the first reason why that someone should be born again is because you cannot see the kingdom of God without. That means that you'll not see the kingdom of God come into your life. You'll not see God come into your life and work. And then secondly, in verse 5, he says, unless someone's born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So he says two things there in his answer. He says, unless you're born again, God will not be in your life. He'll not be with you. And then secondly, he says, unless you're born again, you can't go be with him in heaven one day. You can't enter the kingdom of God. And God wants you to be with him. He wants to be in your life, in your heart, and he wants you to be in heaven with him one day but sin is what keeps us out. Now, all of us are pretty good people. We try to be good. We're here in church today after all, right? But still, we sin too much. And if you were to write down all the sins that I've committed in my life, it would fill up a book like this and probably more. Because I sin every single day. Say, the preacher sins? Yeah, the preacher sins. I'm a human being just like everybody else. 
Going back to the first question, who needs to be born again? Everyone and anyone, and that includes me. But the reason why is because we cannot have God in our life without being born again. So God's up here, and he's holy, and he's the one that we're trying to get up to, and we're down here, but suppose this book right here represents all the sin I've ever committed. It's all been written down. God does say one day we'll be judged by the books, right? And suppose all my sins are written down, and it's here. It's in my life. It's on my life. And I'm trying to get to God, and I'm going to church, and I'm reading my Bible, and I'm doing all these kind of good things, and I'm trying to get up here to God. And say I even get close. But look, what's keeping me away from God? That sin. It separates me from Him. And so the only way that I can have God in my life is that sin has to be taken away. And the Bible says that God sent his son to the earth. And he took our sin upon himself. All our sin was laid upon him. And the Bible says we were set free by Christ dying for our sins. And he took our sins to the cross and he paid for that. The Bible says he was buried and he was raised in newness of life. He came back from the grave. And he is in heaven today now willing to receive anyone who will come to him and receive him by being born again. Now God wants people in heaven. Now I want to tell you how big heaven is to illustrate the fact that God wants us all there. Uh, Y'all remember the story of Noah and the ark in the Bible? And you remember how big the ark was? Has that ever been described to you? The, the ark was bigger, longer than a football field. It was three stories high. It had plenty of room to, to take all the animals in there, the, the uh, male and female of all the animals that were on the ark, plus a whole lot of people. Now, there were only eight people on the ark. But if you realize how big the ark was, you have to realize that there was room for a lot of people. That's because God wanted many people to be saved. But they heard the gospel, they heard the truth, but they said no. And there were only eight people. Heaven's the same way. Jesus says that there's going to be a lot more people that miss heaven, be on the outside of heaven, than on the inside. Why is that? Because people hear about the need to be born again so they can go to heaven and they don't listen. And they don't agree. And they don't give their life to Christ. Here's how big heaven is. In Revelation chapter 21, verse 16, the Bible says that heaven is like a huge city. Now, the Bible calls it God's house. God has a house that has many rooms in it. But it's so big, it's like a city. Because it is 1,400 miles wide, 1,400 miles deep, 1,400 miles tall. In every direction, it's 1,400 miles. Now imagine how big that is. A house that is 1,400 square feet by 1,400 square feet is a huge house. But imagine a house, a place where you can live that is 1,400 miles in every direction. I mean, that's a house so big, even Miss Sarah has never sold a house close to that size. And so heaven is that big. Why? Because God wants as many people as possible to go there. And Jesus is saying, unless you're born again, you will not enter 
in the heavens. And God will not come into your life now. And God wants to come into your life now. He wants to change you. And when he comes in, he will change you. He changed my life. He changed Marvin's life. I talked to Marvin several years ago, and he talked to me how God had changed his life. And I want to tell you that story. And adults, you might want to listen here because it's a guy that some of you know, you might be interested in. But Marvin was a guy like Nicodemus. He was a real smart guy. He was somebody everybody looked up to. He was one of the captains on his team. He played basketball. And I was visiting people in his neighborhood, happened to go to his door, knocked on his door, and me and some of my friends that were there were talking to people about Christ. And we knocked on the door, and Marvin came to the door, and we just all looked up at him like this. (laughs) And I thought I recognized him when I saw him, but I couldn't figure it out for sure who he was, but he told me his name was Marvin Delph. And some of you will remember that name. He was a famous Arkansas Razorback basketball player. He played back in the 70s. He was one of the triplets that played on one of their good teams back in the 70s. He played with Ron Brewer and Sidney Moncrief. But he's from Conway where I was visiting people and he was there and happened to go knock on his door. And he was a real nice guy, invited us in. And we walked in there and he sat down with us and he told us about how he had grown up not knowing God. And how his life was in a mess. But that he heard at a youth camp one day when he was a young person. He heard about Christ and about how he wanted to come into his life and change him. And Marvin accepted Christ. But here's here's the interesting part of the story. He said, my life began to change overnight. He said, I went from being a guy who only thought about playing basketball all the time to be a person who wanted to read the Bible all the time. And he said, I thought there was something wrong with me. He said, I wanted to read the Bible all the time. He said, I went to my camp counselor and I told him, I said, there's something wrong with me. I just want to read the Bible all the time. And he said, Marvin, nothing's wrong with you. He said, everything's right with you. He said, God's beginning to change you on the inside. He's helping you to, now he's come into your life, he's helping you to, to know him better. You know, this is what the Bible says will happen to us whenever we're born again. God comes into us. He comes into our life. And he helps us have a desire to obey him and to live by the the scriptures. He forgives us of our sin and he helps us to begin to forsake sin. He gives us peace. He gives us the Holy Spirit. All these things change in our life when we are born again. And this is why Jesus says we need to do it. It's because it changes everything about our life now. And it will change everything about our life in the future. We'll get to go to heaven with God one day and live with him forever. Now this brings us to the the last part of the conversation that Nicodemus had with Jesus. And and this was how. We, We talked about who needs to be born again and why we should be born again. But you need to know how. And this is why many people are not born again is because they've not understood what Jesus had to say about being born again. They think they have to do something to earn it or they think they have to to read the Bible or go to church enough. But Jesus gives a very interesting answer in John chapter 3. He says, To be born again, you must accept Him and trust Him. It's not what you do, it's what Jesus has already done for you. 
And he says, here's how it works. He says in verse 5, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So the first thing that happens is that the Holy Spirit begins to convict you of your sin and of your need to be born again. And when Jesus talks about water and the Spirit here, he's talking about human birth and he's talking about heavenly birth. Because in the very next verse, he says in verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So he's talking about our first birth, and he's talking about our second birth. And when God made us the first time, the, our physical birth, God used a lot of water to accomplish that. In fact, you are mostly water. In your body, you are mostly water. You're like a walking water bottle. Okay, That's a fact of life. And that's why Jesus talks about being born of water. That's the first birth. But when you're born of the Spirit, when Spirit begins to convict you of your sin and draw you to Christ, and you accept Him, you become like a spiritual bottle. You become a vessel of the Holy Spirit. He fills your life. I remember as a kid going to church, and I remember hearing songs in Sunday school and devotion time, and I remember songs out in big church and scriptures. And what began to happen to me is that when I left church, I began to remember all those things. Those things began to play in my mind and my heart. And what that was, was that was the Holy Spirit speaking to me, reminded me of the truth that I heard so that I would come and give my life to Christ. And that's the way it works with all of us. The Holy Spirit draws you to Christ. He convicts you of your sin. So when you hear things at church and they stick with you, and you go home and you continue to remember that and hear that, that very likely is the Holy Spirit speaking to you and trying to convince you of your need to accept Him and be born again. So it begins with the Spirit convicting you, and then you have to agree with Christ and with the Spirit. And Jesus talks about that. He tells Nicodemus, because Nicodemus continues to say, how can these things be in verse 9? And, and then he says in verse 11, most assuredly I say to you, we speak, notice we, me and the Spirit are speaking, we know what we, we speak, what we know, and testify what we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. So he says the second thing you do is you need to agree with what the Spirit's telling you and what Jesus is telling you. You need to agree that you are a sinner that needs to be saved. And then you're ready for John 3.16. Y'all remember John 3.16? It's probably the most famous verse in the Bible. Maybe the first verse that some of you memorized. John 3.16 is a part of this conversation that Jesus was having with Nicodemus. And he says once you are convicted by the Holy Spirit and you agree with him and the Holy Spirit that you need to be born again, then the next thing that you do, verse 16, is that you trust him. You believe in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So you must trust him. You know what trust means? Trust means you let somebody else do it. Okay? Now, if I were to ask one of y'all to come up here and stand in front of me and just fall back in my arms because I promised to catch you and not let you hit the floor, I'm not going to ask you to do it. But if you were to do that, you would have to trust me, right? 
Now, you would trust me because you think I'm a pretty good guy, right? And you think the preacher's not going to let me drop on the floor, so I know that he's going to catch me. And if you really trusted me to catch you, you would fall into my arms. And when I played this game with my brothers growing up, I wasn't so good. And we would step out of the way and let them fall. <clears throat> but Jesus is good. Jesus is our loving Savior. In fact, He loves us so much that He, he died on the cross to pay for our sin so that we could be forgiven and made new on the inside and go to heaven one day. And Jesus says, if you will let me catch you, if you will let me hold you up, if you will let me carry you into heaven, he says, then you'll not perish, but you'll be saved. You'll be born again. You will have everlasting life. Some people try to give Jesus things in their life. Some people try to you know, give him parts of their life, and they hold back things that they want to keep. But to trust Jesus means that we've got to go to him and we've got to let everything go. And we're actually placing our life, our future, our eternity in Christ's hands. And when I was almost 11 years old, the Holy Spirit convicted me of my sins. And I agreed with him. I knew I needed to be saved. And one night, all by myself, I decided, now's the time. God wants me to be saved. And I knew I needed to be saved. And I decided on that night that I was not going to hold back anymore. I was going to place my life totally in Christ's hands. And in a word of prayer, I simply told Jesus, I'm a sinner that needs to be saved, and I now give you my life. I trust you. Come into my heart and save me. You know what happened the moment I did that? He came in. The very moment that I asked him to come in, he came into my heart, and he has not left me since. Now, have I done everything that I'm supposed to do after that? No, I haven't, because even after you're saved, you can still sin. But the difference is all your sins now have been paid for. All your sins have been forgiven, even the future sins you haven't committed yet, because Jesus died for all those sins. And that's what it means when it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. What is perishing? Perishing means that you miss heaven. It means you miss living with God forever. God has a home. He has a big house. He wants people there. He wants you there. But the only way to get into heaven is through Jesus and by accepting him and being born again. If you refuse to do that, if you get busy, if you decide you're going to live another way and you're just not going to do that, then the Bible says that one day when everybody's laid into heaven that many people will be told, no, you cannot come in. No, you have to stay outside. You have to stay away from God. You have to stay away from all the people that are here. And God is the one who has all love. He's the one who has all life, truth, everything that's good. And so to be shut out of heaven is the worst possible way to spend your eternity. The Bible calls it perishing. The Bible calls it the second death. 
He calls it the second death because what's dead on the inside now because of sin will move out and it will kill everything. Everything about our existence will be dead in the future if we never accept Christ. But God doesn't want that. Christ doesn't want that. He wants you to be alive. But you have to trust him. Now, this morning, the invitation will be a little bit different. I want to give you a Nicodemus invitation, okay? Guys, I brought um, some little cards, blank cards over there. Raiden, they're to your right. If you'll pick those up, Raiden, and there's some pens there, and pass that down the aisle to the kids. I want you all to put your name on that little card, and then I want you to put one or two things on that card. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Central Word. Our prayer is that this message will encourage you in your walk with Christ as we dive into God's Word each and every week. Thanks again for joining us, and may God bless you in the week to come.